Another week, another mock draft. This time, we've got a round two. That's the focus of today's TDN Daily. And welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the TDN Daily Podcast. Chris Schubert back with you once again. We've got a mock draft to discuss here on the show. Kyle Krabs' latest with a bit of a twist. We will get to that in a second. But before we do, got to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. They're always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Just head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just make sure you use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. And you notice I did not do the mock draft show on Tuesday, and that's because I, I, listen, I have some internal sources that told me what was coming the remainder of the week, and I knew that for the first time in this process, for the first time since we started the 2023 mock drafts, we are in version 4.0s, and that means that not only are there the first round selections, but all the scouts are going to go a step further. We're going to get round two selections, and so you, we've talked about it here on this show that one of my favorite things that we get to do is go through these mock drafts because these are evolution points. We get to watch the evolution of this process. We get to watch it from the preseason when we use Super Bowl odds to then using the order and then watching that fluctuate on a weekly basis, which it still is. And then you add into that. Now we're going to add second rounds in there. And then at some point, trades are going to be in the mix once the order is finalized. And so each of these things is a demarcation point that allow us to see where the process changes. So I wanted to wait a little bit because I really wanted to focus on round two more so than I did round round one. So this is going to be a companion piece, really. You're going to have to be able to go over to the draftnetwork.com. You're going to have to know which players went in the first round to understand the point that I'm making here because I want to talk about which position stood out to me in terms of depth. And I charted it and I wrote it down and hopefully my math is correct here. But I'll go through some of the big players in, in the first round. I'll go through the quarterbacks. I think that's obviously a big thing to mention for everybody if you don't have the piece open when listening to the show. C.J. Stroud goes number one to Houston. Bryce Young goes number two to Carolina. Will Levis goes all the way down at number 14 to the Indianapolis Colts. And I believe that was it for quarterbacks in the first round of the mock draft. So if you want to know the full picks and you want to know if a player that I mentioned uh, in the second round or if I don't mention a player at all where they went, they more than likely went in the first round. So you're just going to have to go ahead and check that out when we're doing this. So we go into the second round and I wanted to see, to me, the big question is where's the depth? Where are the positions? We play the game all the time of why would you draft this player when you can get this player a couple of rounds later, right? The value proposition, the which positions are deeper in this year's class? Where's the value? Where can I get a player maybe a round later and then get a position of, of scarcity in in this year's draft around ahead and really work the board to your advantage. So I charted it and for the 16 picks of the second round of Kyle's mock draft, and I don't know if he did this by design. I'll have to ask him about this, but of the 32 picks in the second round, there were 16 on the offense and 16 on the defense, an incredibly balanced approach to the way that the second round broke down. Just as many offensive players as there were defensive players. So not skewed to one side of the ball, as we may have seen in recent memory, a very even split. Now, I broke it down even further to break it down in this regard. On the offensive side, and we're going to get into this because I think there are two positions that stand out here on each side of the ball. Six offensive linemen, 
eight skill position players, so tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, and two quarterbacks. Those two quarterbacks were Anthony Richardson to the New Orleans Saints at 44 and Cameron Ward to the Washington Commanders at 49. Love both of those picks. Love both of those fits for those particular teams. And those are good second-round flyers to bet on the tools, to bet on the traits, to get those teams into that system. So six offensive linemen, eight skill position players, two quarterbacks. On the defensive side of the ball, it was five linebackers after not a single linebacker goes in the first round. I think that's a very important footnote. Four DBs, so safeties and corners, and then seven players on the on the, on the the line, so either defensive line or edge. So I look at this. 13, 13 of the 32 selections that Kyle made in the second round of his mock draft were in the trenches, either on the offensive line or on the defensive line pass rush. This is where we talk about teams winning and losing. This is where we talk about teams building the right way. You build within the trenches. Well, 13, close to half, just short, 13 picks of this entire second round were found in those trenches. Either fitting an interior defensive lineman for a team's need, getting them a pass rusher, or beefing up their offensive line in some regard. That is what Kyle thought was the best course forward. So I see a lot of value there in... We talk about the edge class. We talk about getting help on, on the trenches. We talk about the offensive line. We talk about Peter Skaronsky. We talk about Paris Johnson. We talk about Broderick Jones. We talk about Jalen Duck. We talk about all these guys. Six guys went off in the second round. So there's some value that could be had here in the second round. And maybe those guys get pushed up as this process plays itself out. But that was a big takeaway for me is that, okay, you know, we talk about getting an offensive line. We talk about protecting your quarterback, protecting your young franchise quarterback, or getting that extra help because a, a guy's aged out, a guy's a veteran. You want to get his replacement. Looks like there's some value there with six players. Eight skill position players, heavily favored to the wide receiver conversation. You know my thoughts on that. We've talked about this in the past. How I feel that the value is really going to be on day two of the draft for wide receivers and for skill position players. That I just think there's more value there. I think we're, we're going to arbitrarily push them guys into the first round because that's what we've grown accustomed to over the last couple of years. But really day two is where the value is going to be had there. So not surprised to see Kyle kind of agree and also have eight skill position players there. Linebackers, a tough position, right? Henry Toa has flirted with being a first-round selection. Noah Sewell flirted in the preseason with being a first-round selection. Don't know if his play really has amplified that kind of noise. And because of that, no linebackers go in the first round of Kyle's latest mock, and they all fall here. Five of them go inside the second round. But I think what you, learn, what you start to learn when you do two-round mock drafts is you start to complement things. You start to think just beyond the idea of what a team will do with their first round pick. Because then you have to enter the conversation of, okay, we now are in the second round. What did this team do with the first round pick? What are the rest of their their needs? How does the board play out? There's more variables at play. Because it's, I don't want to say easy, because I, I don't want to take a shot at what the, the scouts do, because they work very hard at putting these together. But to just put together 31 picks, you just go through the list, you pick all the you pick all the players, you, you put them to a team, and, and you make it work. Specifically at this point, of, at this time of the year, where the order is going to change constantly. I think it's when you add that second round in that creates more of that team-building atmosphere, that creates more of that more names are coming off the board. There's more wrinkles that can get thrown into the plan here. There's less options when a, when a team picks, and that's where the fun begins. That's where you can start to see, okay, how's a team going to value a certain player? So, uh, like I said, I broke this down. 16 picks on offense, 16 picks on defense. A very even split here in just the second round, and I think that was the big thing because the money rounds, we call them over here at TDN, rounds two and rounds three are where you can really strike and get some really talented players. Uh, everyone likes to focus on that first night on round one. Obviously, 
Those are your premier premier talents. You got to hit those. You got to make those home runs. But those money rounds, rounds two and rounds three, are where you can come away with a stud and get some more impact players for your team. And so I wanted to see in the first version of this, the first time Kyle had done this, first time anybody at TDN had done this, they had entered the lexicon of, of putting a second round together. How did it break down? How did the positions break down? Because that gives us our first glimpse into where the depth is here in this class. And so I look at offensive linemen, six of them go in the first round, and I'm going to do some math live here on the show. I know everybody loves when I do this. So just remember that number. Six offensive linemen went in the second round. You had Peter Skaronsky go number three overall to the Bears. You had Olu Fushanu go number eight overall to the Steelers. You had, I'm, I'm scrolling, Paris Johnson go 16 to the Chargers. You had Dewan Jones go 20 to the Denver Broncos. You had John Michael Schmitz, the center, go 21 to the Seahawks. You had Broderick Jones go 23 to the Cincinnati Bengals. You had Osiris Torrance go 28 to the Giants. That's seven in the first round. 13 offensive linemen in the first two rounds. You want to talk about a class that's loaded with some depth. 13 offensive linemen in the first two rounds of selections. That's a pretty loaded group. You have some tackles, you have some guards in there, you have a center in there, but you have a lot of talent. 13 of them go in the first round. Let's talk about, I already mentioned, no linebackers going in the first round. You had five of them go in the second round. Let's talk about DBs. You had four DBs go in the second round, combination of safeties and corners. In the first round of the mock draft, you had Christian Gonzalez go 11 to the Cardinals, Joey Porter to the Lions at 13, Keely Ringo, Keely Ringo to the Falcons at 15. That's three, Cam Smith. To the Commanders at 17, Brian Branch to the Giants, to the Jets at 18, that's five. I'm scrolling really quickly. Devin Witherspoon to the Vikings at 30, that's six. Clark Phillips at 32 to the Eagles, that's seven. So seven DBs going in the first round, 11 total in the first two picks. So you can see some depth kind of emerge there that there are going to be some options left on day two, especially if those guys fall further down the board. So I think the big takeaway that I have from this, and, and I mentioned it before, but it, it's something that I really emphasize. What I love to learn about this process is where each scout kind of values different positions. But now that we get, we got, you know, 30 plus more names get taken off the board. You can start to maybe contextualize which groups are going to be loaded, which groups are going to have some depth, which groups are going to have some options at their disposal. Cause then you can start to play around with your favorite team. Let's say you're a, you're a Jets fan, right? I'll just use me as an example. Well, quarterback's something that you're considering, but you're also considering getting some offensive line help. You're all, uh, also considering getting some safety help, some linebacker help, and you can start to play around with, okay, well, we're on the board here. All these offensive linemen are still on the board, and I could probably get an, a good one in round two. This is a pretty good class. And you can start to maneuver the board a little bit and have some fun in that regard, and that is where teams find their success. Which teams are able to, to, to make the decision at the right time to go for the right position, and which teams are able to recognize the depth of a class and able to recognize maybe a hidden gem, somebody that uh, uh, the rest of the league is sleeping on and say, oh, no, this guy's really good. We're going to get him in round two, and we're going to address another need here in round one. So that was kind of the focus I wanted to take here uh, with this mock draft. Again, the evolution now that we're adding round two uh, to all of these, it, it does create a fun wrinkle to kind of go through and, and look. And so I'll just share a couple of, the I think, the notable picks because uh, I broke it down by position. I didn't break down some of the picks. I told you about the quarterbacks. Um, but I'll, I'll break down some of the, maybe the skill position players that I, I think are pretty interesting. I already talked to you guys about both quarterbacks. Sean Tucker, the running back of Syracuse, going 47 to the Falcons. Another running back in that room uh, would be a lot of fun. Zay Flowers, the wide receiver out of Boston College, going to the Patriots at 53. We know they're a team that needs some wide receiver help. The Giants taking a wide receiver at 59. Xavier Hutchinson. 
The Bears taking Josh Downs at 60. And I, again, folks, this is, I think, what's important. When you can contextualize, right, it's easy to look at the Bears and the Giants and say, wow, they need wide receiver help. They need to get help for uh, their quarterback, right? Well, the Bears took Peter Skaronsky with the third overall pick. You're going to sit up here and tell me that that's not also a pressing need for the Chicago Bears. So let's just look at them as, as an example. Peter Skaronsky at three. Josh Downs with their second-round pick. We got an offensive tackle, and we got a wide receiver. We checked two of the boxes. And, oh, by the way, we have $110 million in cap space this offseason to spend as well. So this is where you can add context. It's easy to look at, say, oh, they should have picked a wide receiver with their first-round pick. Why are they taking Peter Skaronsky? But when you can add the context of they got a pretty good wide receiver in the second round, with their pick by waiting, and they also added potentially one of the best offensive linemen in this class, and then you start to come away with a really good haul. And that is where the context really allows you to to let the mind wander and create these different scenarios where some good players can get into the building. And again, I'm a, a believer in context. I'm a believer in all the data you can give me. And so being able to see more picks and being able to see where teams are going to be able to get creative, it, it allows you to take a step back and say, okay, maybe I'm not going to freak out that they took Peter Skaronsky at three because there could be some really good options for them at 60. That's where they're picking right now, three and 60 uh, in this in this draft class with all of these picks. I think they have another pick in here as well uh, in, in this round. But they have these options at their disposal. And that, to me, is the big takeaway, is that you're able to put all these pieces together. You're able to look at the puzzle and say, okay, there are better options out there than maybe I initially thought when I watched my team skip on position X or position Y in the first round. When you see the board play out, oh, okay, maybe that's a name I forgot. That's a name I didn't think could be there. That's a name I didn't consider for, for them. And then you start to open the door for that to be the case. So thought it was a, a pretty interesting uh, conversation to have here on the show today, round two. Again, still under the weather. We're battling it this week here on the show. Take tomorrow off for Thanksgiving. Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. We're going to be back here on the show on Friday. Uh, thanks, as always, to Bet Online for their continued support of the podcast. Hope everybody that's celebrating has a great Thanksgiving. And I'll talk to everybody on Friday.